Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you, church. Uh, What a blessed uh, time of worship we had. Amen. Thank you, Johnny and Leah, for leading us. I was so inspired, more than I already am, so that's trouble, okay? <laughs> Amen. We're going to be going through this journey about and talk about the presence of His presence. And it's kind of in the middle of the series that we're going to at NC4 that were just announced, and Pastor Ian uh, spoke about, about two weeks ago when he introduced the upcoming series, this word just was planted in my heart. So hopefully you will be blessed. Amen. I just want to say a quick prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for each person that is here this morning. You know their needs. You know their thoughts, their motives, and what they're feeling right now. Holy Spirit, we ask you to have your way. Have your way in us so that we can become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's go to John 4. And we're going to start from verse 7, 10, and we're going to go through that story of the Samaritan woman encounter with Jesus at the well. Amen? Amen. So the word says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew... Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. For, G- for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. If you knew the gift of God, Jesus said to the woman, Knowing the gift of God is my first point. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, you would know that I am the same God that Isaiah wrote about in Isaiah 41.4, saying, who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning, I the Lord, the first and the last, I am he. If you knew, Samaritan woman, the gift of God, you would recognize right now, being in front of my presence, that I am he. Jesus engaged the Samaritan woman in the middle of her daily routine. Key, right? To open her eyes to the living presence of God. He asked her about what she knew. The Samaritan woman knew about water. So Jesus, to engage her, asked her about what she was familiar with. I love how Jesus approaches us. Amen? The water was just a means to an end. And in God's plan, that was the means for God to reveal his plans to, of himself to her. God is the end. The water was just a means, but Jesus' presence in the woman's life was the end. Amen? 
The Samaritan woman, though, could not, as Jesus engaged her, and many of you know the story, but for those that don't know, the Samaritan woman, as Jesus engaged her, she just couldn't get past of her own biases. You being a Jew, talking to me, a woman from Samaria. Something is wrong here. Her biases was taking place. And also her immediate need, her immediate need, I'm here in the heat of the day, to get what I need, I need water. Those two things was coming, were coming in the way. And just like many of us, we struggle to see God working amid our daily routines and our daily lives. We compartmentalize God and we don't believe that he can actually meet us in the middle of our day, in the middle of our doing. He may actually have a plan to show us something new about him. And when we come to church every single week, we come, we read the word, we sing the word, we sing the word today. And we know that God is the creator. We know that he is the great I am. We know that he is infinite, that he's love, he's just, he's great, he's gracious, he's mercy, so much more. We know this because it has been written. We know this because we have read the word. But it is until you and I actually experience the word of God. We go beyond our knowledge of him, but actually experience him, experience his love, experience his goodness, his his grace and his mercy. Until that happens, we just remain unmoved and unchanged. When we can't relate, when someone comes and is just so excited about God's forgiveness, because maybe we haven't experienced that type of forgiveness. We don't understand when someone is excited about God's grace and love, because maybe we haven't yet experienced that level of grace and love. And today he's saying, I want you to get it. I want you to get that. So that you just don't know of me, but you get to experience my presence. You get to live my love. You get to live who I am. You get to live my grace. That is exactly what Jesus, that's exactly his plan for that woman that afternoon. That that, that woman, was she was hiding from others. Jesus wanted to make sure that she knew that he saw her. You're hiding from us, but I see you. How many of us in the middle of our days, when we feel unseen, forgotten, and alone, God says, I see you. And you may say, Karen, what are you talking about? Oh, I felt it. And you can feel it too when you just desire to abide in him. When you want his presence more than anything else. And you just say, okay, Jesus, let's go. I'm going to work. I'm taking your presence with me. Because you see me. You get me. And I get you. That's exactly what Jesus wanted. I see you, woman. I see your need. And I am here for you. Let me help you understand the purpose of living. Let me help you understand the why you are here today. A.W. Tozer wrote, 
We were created and we are here not to the satisfaction of the immediate appetite only. In this case, water. Her immediate appetite was going to the well to get water. She was not made just for that immediate satisfaction and need. A.W. Tozer says, but we were created for something bigger, grander, more eternal, that we might worship God and enjoy him. There's joy in the presence of the Lord. And that is the presence of his presence. Present in time, present in place, but present as a gift. God says, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift that I am, what I have to give you, you would have asked me and I would have given you water. In collaboration with Pastor Bob, he's actually speaking about identity in Bethlehem, but we blended a few of our points And I thought this was very fitted for what we're talking today because there are influences that are threatening constantly our pursuit of knowing God. It is evident that there is a crisis of identity in our culture, in our world, in our country. And as I meditated on this, it's the fact that we don't know who we are because we just don't know whose we are. And I cannot define who I am if I don't know who I belong to. And if I don't know who God is and his attributes and what he says he is, then how do I identify myself with this great God? So we hide, like the Samaritan woman was hiding. Like Adam and Eve hid in the garden from his presence. We hide and then we live striving. It's it's a constant strive to find self. With everything we've got, we live finding ourselves. And we make that the quest of our existence. Everything nowadays is self. I mean... God forgive us. Starting with the selfie. Right? Everything is self. Lord forgive us. Let's be honest. We tend to think too highly of ourselves. And often allow pride and our ego to dictate our worth. And this is a very dangerous thing. When, when we let and make self our sole focus. There are influences that are constantly trying to define our identity. Like the world, right? They, the, the world says this is your identity. It's based on your race. It's based on your gender, your language, your preferences. The flesh, our flesh is constantly saying whatever feels good, whatever and whatever you're doing that gives you that sense of fulfillment and that you have arrived there. Hold on to that identity. That's the flesh. Or, right, the constant lies of the enemy that battle against the truth of God and that want to render us ineffective in our walk with God. 
the woman at the well had adopted the wrong identity. She was basing it on her, her past, and Jesus knew, and he addressed it. Read the story, right? What her ethnicity was, oh, I'm, I'm Samaritan. So I, I, this, we don't belong. We're different. What religion, what, you know, this is Jacob's well. And one day the Messiah will come, right? Religion has set And society's norms had said that she could do and she couldn't do. She had adopted that identity. And Jesus knew. But Jesus really pursued her. He pursued her as he pursues us to set us free from anything that comes against the knowledge of Christ. Hallelujah. He pursues us and he pursued her to set her free and give her The gift of his presence. Only then she could receive the new identity by believing and entering in a relationship with Jesus. Only then. That's the only way. Jesus is the only way. He is the truth. He is the light. And the same is true for us today. John 1, 12, 13 says that to all that receive him, who believe in his name, and, I, and it says it in past tense, but I'm saying it now. Those who receive him now, that believe in him now, right now, they have the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, Not of the will of the flesh. That's why we can't identify with what our flesh says. It's not the will of the flesh. It's the will of God. Amen? Knowing this. Knowing this. Because we know, church, I think most of us here have said, Jesus, I accept you into my heart. So knowing this, church, should Bring up an inevitable response in us. An inevitable response. And I kept thinking about that while we were just going through the book of Jonah in the last series. Every Sunday I heard that message that I was here. It was just like this trembling. Just there was something that would just, we need to respond to this. We need to respond to what God is saying. We cannot leave the same way that we walked in. God is speaking to us. And there should be an inedible response coming out of us. As it was in the woman. That's why Jesus says, if you knew, you would have responded. You would have done something. You would have asked me. You would have responded by asking me for something. If you knew, it would have moved you to action. When is the last time that that happened to you in private, in your devotional, in your daily walk, as you saw need around you, as you heard someone said something, instead of anger and critic and politicizing, you said, no, oh, Jesus, something, something came up in the spirit, compassion, mercy, love, a prayer. There has to be an inevitable inevitable response. 
And Jesus was making that emphasis. He was pointing to that. He's pointing to that today for us. There must be a response on our part. He said, if you knew who, if you knew the gift, if you knew the God, the God of the presence that is right in front of you, if you knew me, you would have asked me. God is knocking at our door. The Holy Spirit is knocking, church. And he's leading us to surrender. To surrender our ideas, to surrender our plans, to surrender our will, to surrender what we thought it would have been, to surrender because he is good. He is enough. He is good. Chad was saying, let's focus on the goodness of God. He is good. And that surrender leads us to purposeful living and true worship. I wonder, church, I I really wonder, I wrote this down. I wonder if our lack, our lack, I include my, if our lack of response is related to our lack of actually really knowing God. If our lack of response is, is our lack of abiding in his presence. That we are so disconnected that we are not really aligned. So we don't respond. Every time we come to a spiritual gathering and the word is being spoken, we have the opportunity to respond. But what does that look like? We have seen it in people surrendering surrendering repentance, committing their lives to God. But it doesn't stop there. There is more. And this is the gift of God. As we respond to him, and as we seek him as a response, his mercy, his goodness, his love, you know what happens? God immediately answers back. He responds right back. I respond and he responds. It becomes a flow. It, it, it becomes an exchange. And he promises living water, the gift of his ever-present presence. This is what the Samaritan woman experienced and her life was never the same. How many of us have experienced that our lives have never been the same? Thank God our lives have never been the same. Every time Jesus meets us, we don't have any other alternative but to change. The series coming, The Practice of His Presence, if many of you, I'm sure, have read the book from Brother Lawrence, right? The Practice of His Presence. He says, to adore God in truth is to recognize him for what he is. Okay? To adore God in truth is to recognize him for what he is and ourselves for what we are. Big difference. Adoring God in truth means that our hearts actually see God as infinitely perfect and worthy of our praise. So what man or woman, I added there, 
no matter how little sense we may have, would not extend all of our strength to show respect and to show love for this great God. To adore God in truth is to admit that our nature is completely opposite of his. Therefore, we say worthy, holy, worthy, you are, holy, you are God, not me. My nature is completely opposite. Therefore, I adore you. Therefore, I worship you. Great God. Ask yourself, while you're on the road, in your daily routines, ask yourselves, in moments of doubts, ask yourselves where you're in meetings at work. Ask yourselves where you're in conversations with others, whether it's face-to-face or texting or via social media. Ask yourselves, Is this worship? Am I carrying a posture, a tone of worship? When is it a good time to worship, church? When is it a good time to worship? Is it Sunday mornings? Anytime. All the time. The answer should be, now is a good time to worship. No. Now is a good time to worship. And doesn't mean that I'm going to just say, I worked, right? Just open my mouth and start singing, worthy is your name. In the middle of our meeting, right? But inside of my heart, I can question myself. As I'm thinking, as I'm sharing, as I'm evaluating, as I'm participating and collaborating. Am I carrying a posture of worship right now? Does this glorify you? Is this pleasing to you, Lord? What you hear? What I'm thinking? What I'm feeling? Just want to abide in you. You are the branch. I'm the branch. You're the vine. And I'm abiding in you. And I want everything that is in you flows through me, Lord. Just, is this worship, God? Is this worship? If we just could stop for a moment and ask that question. I would have been in a lot less trouble, I would say. I'm speaking for myself. The answer always should be now is the time. Because his presence is here. It was in the middle of the day at the well. It's in the middle of the day for you. It's as you come and you go, as you rise up and as you lay down at night, his presence is there. So now, every time, all the time, is a good time to worship because he is the ever-present presence. The gift of his presence means that every moment with God is a gift. And it's a gift that is meant to be shared. The Samaritan woman knew that this present, this gift of the presence that she had just received would be enough to illuminate her neighbors. 
It would be enough. If, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. And we were so bold to say that to people. And really just embody the story and the miracle of God in us and what he's done for us. And just wherever we go, we just share this beautiful gift. The gift of his presence. And say, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. The Samaritan woman, wow, immediately she knew. If he could do it, if he could just like open my eyes in the way that he just done it. I know that nothing will stop him from opening the eyes of my neighbors. This gift of the presence of God is just not just for us. It's for us to share it with others. In verse 25, 29 of John 4 says, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. Religion was talking, right? He who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And verse 26, Jesus said, I who speak to you, he. When I read this, it takes me back to the two men right after his death and resurrection walking right in the road to Emmaus. And he was talking and he was talking and suddenly his eyes were open. Right? This is exactly what happened. And we need that suddenly. We need that moment where we just go to the Lord. God, I can't see it. I don't see it. But I know you can open my eyes. Open my eyes to see If you did it for her, you can do it for me. Hallelujah. Just then, in that moment, so she's going, the disciples come in. Right? So it's like when someone interrupts your conversation and you're like, O-M-G. This is he. And here comes the disciples. Lunch is here. Nice and warm. Jesus. Jesus, you're talking to a woman? This is odd. I love Jesus. This is why I love him so much. Right? This is where my excitement comes from. Because there he was. Doing what he wasn't supposed to be doing. Let's give them something to talk about. Oh, they talked about it. Let's question our biases, our thoughts, what we think it should be, our expectations, the way it should be, or said, or go. Because Jesus is in the business of the unimaginable. And so he's always tearing down walls. And he always wants to teach us something more about him and ourselves. How much we really, really need him. And in the middle of the daily, in the middle of lunch, the disciples come. And there is Jesus. And they're like, they're marveled. They were like in shock. They, you know, she was in shock. They were in shock. Everybody was in shock. 
But no one said anything to him, right? And, and, and as I read this, and I've read this a million times, I was like, oh my gosh, if they would have known the gift of God, if the disciples would have known, really known the gift of God, they, they wouldn't have questioned anything. But there they were. They were questioning. We are the disciples. We are the disciples. And in that moment, as they're questioning and thinking, and Jesus is just probably just staring at her soul, she dropped her jar. She dropped the jar. She left it there. And she went away into town, that's verse 28, and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I've ever did. Can this be the Christ? And I stopped there and I said, well, was she questioning? Was she not sure? I choose to believe that she had already become a strategist for the kingdom. And she was very strategic in that moment. She knew. She knew he was the gift. She knew that was the ever-present presence of God. But she's like, I'm not going to convince them. Let me make them curious enough. Curiosity. Oof. Strategy. Let me just make them curious enough so that they can go and find out for themselves. Because if he did it for me, he can do it for them. And verse 39 says, And many Samaritans believed. Many Samaritans believed from what she shared, they received. From what she believed, they believed that Jesus was the presence of the living God. Friends, we must resist the temptation to center our hearts on receiving of his gifts and blessings only. Let's make it about God and desire what he desires, that we abide with him so that we can pour out. We can pour out. He poured into his hope, right? Today we sing that. He's pouring hope in us so that we can just go over there and pour it out to others. So we can pour out his hope. So we can pour out his presence to the need, to the thirsty, to the spiritually blind. And it's not that we're going and just banging the head with the word. That God will give us the words, the strategy that each individual person would need to make them curious enough to seek for themselves and find the presence. Make up their own minds. We can't make up anybody's mind. I can't make up any of your minds today. You have to make it up for yourself. That you know that his presence is present. His presence is present. It's here. And it's a gift to you. It's a gift that must be shared. But what are we carrying out, around? You know, this woman came with the jar. She was carrying her jar. She left the jar, but picked up the presence of God. She left her need and picked up the presence. What are we carrying about around? What are we carrying with us? We compartmentalized these moments when he must be our all 
in all. The ever-present presence. How would others really come to see and believe in God from what they see and hear from us? When you go to work, when you're shopping, when you're pumping gas, what can others see and hear from you? That point them to something different here. Those, those, those something, something different there. Because it's nice and easy to shine right here. Because we're in the light, right? And we shine bright right here. <laughs> it's nice and bright. It's out there. What are others able to see and hear? Comes out of our mouths. Is it life-giving? So that they're curious about the presence of God. The woman came with her jar. She came with the need and she left with the presence. What a gift. What a gift to the world. Are we a gift to the world, church? I don't know, that song this morning that, that I never heard that song before. The one that says, your word has let me see. Thank you for saving me. I was like, oh, the Samaritan woman wrote that song. <laughs> I was like, amazing. How did you guys know that? Just kidding. I wrote that. I'm like, oh, the word has let me. Did you write it? Oh, oh, oh. Okay, she picked it. Man, thank you, Jesus. For Leah. <laughs> Your word has let me see. Thank you for saving me. I think that was her song. She went out there. She goes, the word. The word that told me everything. The word had let me see everything. I've, I've received illumination. I can see beyond religion. I can see beyond biases. I can see beyond division. I can see beyond my own life. I'm not ashamed anymore. I'm not hiding from you anymore. The woman that was hidden was made visible and unashamed. Her need for him became greater than her immediate need, water. She had found her new identity in Christ. No longer the world, no longer self, no longer the the flesh, no longer the enemy could keep her from that identity. And she just couldn't remain unmoved and unchanged. Ask yourself, why am I unmoved and unchanged? Well, we have the gift of his presence. When we proclaim this gift, why do I find myself in this state of being unmoved and unchanged? I'll tell you the other day, I was talking to my sister, Kaira. She lives in Georgia. I have a younger sister. She's beautiful. And, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And she was sharing with me. She said, I'm struggling. Think something I'm paraphrasing. I'm struggling with this person at work and, you know, also, you know, a family member. And and, in general, she's just caring. It's just really hard. It's been really, really hard. And I'm listening. And she says, and Karen, I know that God can change 
them. I know that I can pray for God to change them. I know that I can be praying about this to pray that God changed my coworker and changed his family member wasn't me. <laughs> Although I'm sure she's prayed that a lot. She said, what I find myself doing is praying for God to change me. My sister said, as soon as she said that to me, it's just like something in me, just like my mom, we were walking together. My mom was listening to a conversation, but I was like, that's it. That's what I said. Taira, Taira, that's it. That's the prayer. For God to change us. Not them. It's not us versus them. God changed me. I surrender to you. I respond to your knocking. I respond to your offer. Come and change me. It was like deep, calls to deep. That's what the Spirit of God does. And points to the deepness of our need. Deep calls to deep. So that we can respond and say, God, change me. And when our desires are aligned to his desires, then he gives us the desires of our hearts. So to know him is to love him. To say, change me. Oof, I'm struggling here. (laughs) Change me. I surrender. I respond to you. So many situations that we placed on others. And God is saying, no, this whole thing happened because I want to see. I want you to see the way I see. And I want to work in you. I'm, I'm taking care of them. This is between us. I'm dealing with your heart. I'm dealing with your mind. I'm dealing with your past and your emotions. I want to change you. And when we don't respond, we live frustrated, church. So that what others see and hear from us does not point to Jesus. We are about to start a new series under the theme, The Practice of His Presence. And in community, we will have the opportunity to show up as seekers of His presence, which is the present, the gift of God. We'll get to abide in Him with others. Amen? To love God and love one another. That's how the, the, the world will know, because we love one another, right? And Pastor Ian said something that touched me during, I think it was the second to last teaching on Jonas. He said, he invited us to examine any objections or assumptions we may have about the character of God. And when is the last time that we doubted our doubts? So make this upcoming series be an opportunity, this meetings, this home meetings, be an invitation, an opportunity for us to do just that, to respond to whatever the Spirit of God is showing us, amen, as we respond in surrender. So let's start by asking ourselves, do I really want to pursue the presence of His presence? I mean, is this really something that I want? It sounds precious, Karen. But I need to ask myself, is this what I really want? Do I really want the present of his presence? Or am I just comfortable, you know, right here in the struggle that I'm in, in the struggle within me, and I'd rather stay unclear, I'd rather stay unmoved, 
I'd rather stay unaware of his presence. I'd rather stay unaware of his voice and what he's doing. It's comfortable here. This is, this is the question. Because it's up to us. It's up to us to receive. It's up to us to respond. Do I only seek him, God, for what I need right now? I mean, I loved our brother last week testifying in Bethlehem, and he said, I don't, want to, I don't want to suffer for five minutes. I mean, that was that, like, my favorite line. <laughs> I'm like, me too. I don't want to suffer, not even for 30 seconds. Right? I just want all the blessings and all the goodness and, and, and all the joy. I want to laugh. I don't want to cry, and I'm crying all the time. I, I want to laugh. So am I only seeking him for that? Or just the pleasure of my relationship in him for whatever it comes, for whatever it comes, I will remain and abide with him. There is a worship song by Selah that goes, I turn to you, Jesus. I turn to you, Lord. What else can I do, Jesus? I turn to you. And Jesus opened the Samaritan woman's spiritual eyes and heart to turn to him. And something changed. She had no longer spiritual thirst. She was no longer spiritually blind. And today he's extending to us the same revelation of the present of his presence. So that we no longer depend in anyone's or the world's definition of who we are. But let God's love, mercy, and goodness change us. So let us turn to Jesus, church. Let us stand. Let us turn to Jesus in our hearts let us respond in surrender and desire to know him more and truly, truly be changed. As you are there, Lee and Johnny come and lead us in worship. Just close your eyes. If you rather keep them open, just think about Jesus. What is Jesus telling you today? What is he showing you today? And how are you to respond to the knocking on your heart? Because it requires a response. If you knew the gift of God, is he inviting you To get to know him more, his character, his attributes. To really experience his goodness, his mercy, and his love. Is he inviting you 
to deeper intimacy. Not just in special moments, but in the 24-7 of your life. Are you brave enough to say yes? Are you curious enough to say, I want exactly what she talked about. I want to be changed from the inside out. I want to live from the inside out. Jesus said to the woman, the time, the hour is coming and the hour is now that my father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And there's no way that we can do that without abiding in him and in his presence. Do you want to be part of the celestial choir and worship him in spirit and truth as you say yes to the knocking that he's doing in your heart? What is God saying to you? Thank you for listening to the NC4 podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.